There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life, some names you'll recognise, others you might not. But my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. There is so much to say about my next guest. Vicky Phelan is the epitome of a powerhouse. She has integrity running through every vein in her body and fundamentally she believes in the power of speaking up for what you believe in. If people take one thing from what I've done over the last year and a half, I would hope that would be it, that people would start asking more questions and and trust in their gut, you know, and, and trust in what they believe. You know, if somebody wants to have a better chance or to try something, that they would trust that, you know, they would be listened to. In this conversation, we go to some intense places, so please do check the show notes for any trigger warnings you may need to be aware of, as it's important to prepare yourself. Last year, she was thrust into public life when she made a very powerful statement on the steps of the four courts, having refused to sign a non-disclosure agreement in the settlement of her action against the HSE. It would come to light that Vicky, along with over 220 women, were given false results. In many cases, their cancers could have been prevented. And through her unrelenting need for justice, she uncovered the medical and the political scandal of her times. In her memoir, Overcoming, it's clear that her moral compass was solid from an early age. And in reading it, there's a lot I didn't know about her and the many challenges she's faced in her life so far. When she was 19, she came close to death when she was involved in a horrific car accident in which two of her friends died. And during pregnancy with her daughter, Amelia, Doctors diagnosed toxoplasmosis in the womb, a rare condition that can cause blindness and other problems. In the book, she also speaks about having had postnatal depression, a terrifying accident involving Amelia when she was just seven years old, the challenges in her marriage, her love for her parents and lots more. She is a founding member of the 221 Plus Cervical Check Patient Support Group and is an advocate for those affected. She lives in Limerick with her husband, Jim, and their two children, Amelia, who's 14, and Dara, who's eight. This week, she celebrated her 45th birthday. And this is our conversation. Vicky, I'm honoured that you agreed to be a guest on the podcast. I really am. I was like, will I ask her? What can she say? She can just say no or she'd say yes. So I thought I'd give it a go. And I was delighted when you came back and you said, yeah, I'm up for it. Yeah, so well, that's my motto, Sheila. You don't if you don't ask, you don't get. So, yeah. I, you know, I admire people who do. And I mean, if, if I couldn't do it, I'd have said no. But anyway, I was up today. So it's all good. The only word I can use is honoured because um, look, at I think like the majority of people, not just women in this country. I feel a lot when I when I meet you because you're so down to earth. You're so what you see is what you get. You're a very calm, no bullshit kind of person. But yes, what you've done, what you've done in this country for women and women's well-being is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And I think 
you know, I always we, we, we talk about what's the most important thing in life. And, you know, is it the successes we have and the things we achieve? It's the impact we have on other people, I think. Yeah. And the impact you've had on other people is I can't even get my head around it, to be honest. Neither can I. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, seriously. Um, but it feels good. And, and mm. you know, that's the only, uh, you know, the, the, the good. I don't think people see that this is good for me. You know, people say that I'm helping other people, but they kind of think, well, how can you be doing that when you're sick? But, you know, I'm well at the moment. You know, it would be different, uh, you know, obviously, if I end up sick and in a hospice. I won't be doing all of this. You know, that's the reality. But while I'm well, I like to do this because it actually keeps me sane. It gives me a purpose. I don't have to start thinking, you know, of what's going to happen when things get bad. Because, you know, if you have too much time to think, that's what you do. Or that's what I would tend to do. So for me, it's good to keep busy. But at the same time, I'm very conscious of the fact that I have to rest too. So, I mean, there are days when I'm at home, I don't get out of my pyjamas. You know, so... I balance it in fairness. Yeah. Um, I know my mother worries an awful lot. She's always given out to me. Oh, God, you're going to Dublin again. You know, but in fairness, I'm doing two interviews today. I get an early night at a hotel and I have treatment tomorrow and I'm home again. So it's, you know, it's fine. OK, mm. so you are you're you're able to say no. Yes, I am. Able Good. To say no. I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I space things out. Yeah, because that's the thing when I, you know, I, I met you for the first time mm. last this time last year was last September at an event in Galway. You were the keynote speaker and I was emceeing the event. It was a women in business event and you know, you could hear a pin drop in the room when you spoke. Everybody was just in awe of you. And then I spent time in your company that evening, you and your lovely ma'am. Mm. And uh, it was so obvious, the bond between the two of you. Yeah. It's, it's a powerful thing and it doesn't always happen, you know. Um, but you guys are, have been through an awful lot together. Yeah, um, we have. We have. Yeah. And I think the fact that my mother's so young as well, it helps. Like, mom was only 19 when she got married. So yeah. there's only 20 years between us, do you know? So Yeah, when you think of it that yeah, way. Yeah, you know, she's she's very young. So it's I really appreciate it now as I'm older that my mother is so young, mm. you know. Um, and, and it's funny, you kind of think, well, God, you know, sometimes I, I often think, God, I wish I had, my, had had my children younger because, you know, mm. I, I do think you have more you know, more time and more in common with your children, which you have when you have a smaller age gap, you know. It's so an interesting one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, I suppose in our, our generation, you know, I mean, I was 30 having Amelia and, you know, most of my friends were 33, 34 having their kids. You know, I was one of the first. Yeah. And even I thought like at that stage, I'm not ready. You know, um, I know, yeah. I know. And now you you have women, you know, well into the 30s, into their 40s yeah. having kids. Mm. You know, I'm 40 now and I was 38 having Carl. Yeah. Do you know? Um, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit more about you and your mom because she's been with she's been there through a lot of big things that have happened to you. And I remember reading about the time you were in going to see the doctor and getting that devastating news, and you were there with your daughter Amelia and your mom as well. So when you came out, you were trying to keep together for the sake of your daughter, not to pick up what was going on. But your mom knew. She did. Yeah, she knew by my face. You know. Nobody knows you better than your mother and I'm generally very good at hiding things but I couldn't that day. I, I couldn't even do the poker face, you know. I was yeah. struggling to keep the, you know, keep from crying. I mean, the one thing I wanted to do was go over and give her a hug and for her to give me one and I couldn't because Amelia was there so I had to just, you know, just shake my head. She knew. She just gave me one look and I just shook my head and we kind of pulled ourselves together for, you know, the, the drive home, which thankfully is not long. You know, it's only about 15 minutes from the hospital to my house. And then we got media watching something on Netflix. And that was when we, you know, kind of um, addressed it then at that stage. And actually, mom said to me the other day, she said, you don't even remember. She said, me going home that day, do you? She said, because we were talking about it. And I said, no, because she asked, um, she rang, she was supposed to go home on the bus. But she, with that news, she wasn't going anywhere on the bus. So um, one of her sisters rang her and she told them what had happened and what I was told. And she said, I'm on the way, Gaby, I'll come up and collect you. Don't even, you know, attempt to get on that bus. I'll come up. So I don't remember them being there. Imagine that's how in shock I was that mm. my two aunts were there and I have no recollection of them collecting my mother. None. Yeah. It doesn't like, you know what? I don't think for anyone listening who's been through trauma will be shocked by that mm. because I suppose you it's a protection mechanism, is it? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. You can only deal with certain things at the time. Yeah. I, I know that when I heard the words that I had cancer as well. Sure. Look, at I, I mean, it just it's a blur. Like it, it is. is a blur. Yeah, it's a blur. Totally. Because you, you just you can't get your head around it. So mm. I can only begin to imagine that conversation and mm. how, how, how troubling that was. How did you actually put it into words with your mother? 
Were you able to say the words? Uh, yeah, because I mean, she knew it was back. I knew from, yeah. you know, I had told mom, I knew from the end of November that the cancer was back. I didn't tell anybody in my family, um, except for Jim, my husband and a couple of friends at work. I hadn't told anybody until after Christmas, when Christmas was over around the 29th of December. So mom and dad knew that it was back, but we all thought it was treatable, still treatable to a point because I wasn't feeling unwell. That's yeah. the, I mean, that is the like, you know, I, that's what I couldn't get my head around, Sheila, to be honest. I just thought, how can they be telling me I'm going to be dead in six months if I don't have treatment in 12 months, you know, and there's no cure for this when I'm not unwell? I mean, I had a bit of lower back pain, but other than that, I was fine. Not, yeah. a, not a bother. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to get your head around. Very it? hard to get your head around that. I mean, you would expect if you're told something like that, that you're like on death's door and you're mm. in pain and you're on a lot of medic. I was on nothing, nothing. So that's why I didn't tell them until after Christmas, you know, but so mum knew it was back. But, you know, none of us were expecting that. I, you know, I thought even when, you know, I kind of had to push her in fairness to give me the timeline. And even at that, I thought she'd say 12 to 18 months. And that was going to be bad enough to hear. But when she said six to 12, Jesus, I really I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. And now we're in this is October 2019. Mm. When? Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> When when was that? That was January 2018. Mm. I mean, really and truly. And look yeah. at you. I mean, I, I, I said it to you before we came into the room. <laughs> and I was like, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I have to say it. I, I mean, I saw you last September. You were all dolled up. You looked gorgeous. You were in a goonie. You looked amazing. Do you look better today? Yeah, definitely. You look great. Yeah, this drug is actually great for lots of other things, you know. Um, so, yeah, so you're yeah. on a specialised drug mm-hmm. now at the moment. Yeah. So it's an immunotherapy drug. Yeah. So unlike chemotherapy, which literally is not targeted. So chemotherapy is just trying to, you know, it'll kill good cells as well as bad cells. So it's just killing everything in its path. So, you know, Mm. the problem with that is your whole system gets depleted, you know, and it really affects your immune system. Whereas the drug I'm on is actually an immunotherapy drug. So it's actually boosting your immune system to fight your own cancer. And that's why I'm so well. Yeah. Now, that's not the case for everybody. It doesn't work for some people or some people have terrible side effects. I have been extremely lucky that I've had very few. Yeah, like seriously, I one of a very small number of people who are as well as I am with this drug you know I oh, mean I'm, I'm I'm so happy you know, to hear that for you you know yeah. that it's working because I, I suppose it's a bit of a lottery sometimes you don't know whether something is going to work know. no and to be honest even when I started on it Sheila I was just thinking of you know I'll get another 12 months or I didn't even think I'd get the two years you know because I'd be on this drug for two years and I was thinking mm, from what I had read about it I thought you know I mightn't even get that but like now I know you know from how well it's been working I'll definitely get to the two years which is April and you know I have a backup lined up like I have with everything else but that involves going to America which is will be a big you know draw um, for me from away from the kids you know if I have to go but if I have to go I'll go it'll yeah. give me more time I'll do whatever I have to do to get more time that's basically it you and know. how long would that be to stay in the, in the States uh, a few months yeah well it depends um, it would be longer probably um, it would be like like this drug it would be two years but whether or not I'd get to a point where I could be flying over and back and but you know yourself when you're flying you're picking up stuff as well it's not really ideal so I don't know I haven't really or, thought or, or maybe is it on the or table or we'd all move well we could move, move for but a the problem yeah I think it would be easier if the kids were younger like Daryl would be he's perfect age he's eight She's mm. 14. Yeah, okay. The teenager is the hard one because, and as well as that, Amelia's had so much happen to her in her life. I really don't want to disrupt. You know, she's happy at the moment, really happy in school. And she'd be the one I'd worry about really more than anybody else. But yeah. <laughs> you know what? The likelihood is if I did have to go to America, she'd just say, it's fine, I'll stay with Nan. <laughs> <You know? laughs> she loves my mother. <laughs> but look, in the here and now anyway, and that's a bit away, you're you're feeling good, yeah. you're looking great. And isn't that a brilliant thing? Yeah. Isn't it great? Yeah. And that's down to you as well, doing the research, because, mm. you know, it, it does require, I suppose, like all things when you're faced with, and in your case, an extreme extreme scenario where you know you got to start doing your homework and asking questions and seeing you know what 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 can be done what is available to me and because a lot of doors can be shut can't they yes absolutely um and it's not until you start to kind of scratch onto the surface mm. you you realize that there is you know that there can that you know treatments can be had drugs yep. can be taken that make a difference it's very frustrating though, isn't it? It is. And, you know, to be honest, because I was up against it and my back was against the wall, um, I often wonder if I wasn't as sick as what I was, would I have fought as hard? Probably mm. wouldn't because, you know, because I had no other options. I had nothing to lose. And um, I really it was 
backed into a corner. So I was going to do whatever it took to get onto this drug, especially when I knew it had been uh, made available to people on a compassionate basis, you know. So yeah. um, uh, once I found that information out, I thought, well, that's it. That's the little bit I needed just to keep me going and keep fighting for it, you know. I really hope this doesn't sound insensitive. Hmm. But my intention is good now when I say this, but you've been given a diagnosis of terminal. Yeah. Yeah, when I look at you and I spend time in your company, there is, and I don't just mean the physical, yes, you look great, but your vibe is the furthest thing away from that. Mm. Oh, totally. And do you think, do you you think this cancer is going to take you? I don't think, I don't know. To be honest, I had done all along um, for the last while. Now I'm, the problem with, getting too hopeful is that that could come crashing down and it's not that you know I want I have to be I have to be realistic I don't want to be pessimistic but at the same time if you get your hopes up too much that's my worry that you know if things start going bad I won't be ready for it you know what I mean but at the same time I think specifically over the last you know six or seven months the problem is I haven't had any shrinkage in my tumours in the last year like it is stable um, which is great but it's also worrying because, you know, if there is no shrinkage, I still have a five centimetre tumour, which is quite big, um, but I'm able to live yeah. with that, you know, and that's the reality. You know, if my tumours were smaller, you know, I'm not so sure, you know, would I, I probably would be th- a bit more positive, you know, mm. but I have to be realistic because, and I have seen it, unfortunately, Sheila, I've seen women go so very quickly, you know, from being well, you know, to within, you know, five or six weeks gone, you know. Um, because when it takes over, it takes over, unfortunately, particularly with this type of cancer, because what happens is, you know, you'll get a bowel obstruction or something like that. And that yeah. that's the start of it, really, you know. And that's a really tough thing. As you said, you, you've seen people, you know, people, mm. you're very close to people. And, you know, we, we were all aware. And it was this time last year when I. Yeah. When it I looked. Was. Yeah. Uh, Emma Vic Vahuna mm-hmm. um, passed away. And I think we all remember her and, you know, being on the late, late, doing interviews. Looking so healthy and strong. Yeah. Only uh, a few weeks before. Yeah. You know, so that that's the reality, you know. Yeah. And that, that's that's probably a very difficult. These are difficult conversations mm. to have. And it just shows how well grounded and balanced you are, that you are not set off balance by somebody like me asking. I mean, I suppose very triggering questions mm. as well. Um you do strike me as a real pragmatist. Yes, I am. And I think that's what stood to me yeah. throughout everything, to be honest. You know, that I don't let my emotions take over too much because... You don't do drama? No, I don't. No, yeah. you should meet my sister. <laughs> <laughs> she used up all the drama chips. Yeah, I pretty sure much. Look at, that's why you're balanced. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> and I suppose, you know what, that's that's what you find sometimes with family members because they, they're so worried and they love you and they're mm. concerned they can maybe take the burden of doing, you know, I suppose expressing those, all those other emotions because yeah. your focus is just, I need to mind myself. That's it. And my focus is just on staying here, you know, so yeah. I'm always reading stuff and looking at other drugs and planning ahead and talking to other oncologists, you know. So I'm constantly, you know, in the background trying to find, to make sure once I know I have a backup option, I'm okay. You know, if I didn't have a backup mm. option, once I get to the point where there's nothing, well, then that's when I'll start to worry. But for the moment, because I have a backup option, I'm I'm actually okay about it, you know. Yeah. Now, if we were going to go into, you know, the cervical check scandal mm. in its entirety, it would take up the, I suppose, the, the full length and, and then some of this podcast. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of, of seeing that spreadsheet and seeing those mm. other names, 14 other women on the spreadsheet, um, and then making the decision that you did to speak out Um, and then of course all of which has come to light since then and all the women that have been affected how close have you got to the other women involved? Quite close I mean I've met quite a lot of them now at this stage Um, we have regular meetings maybe four times a year uh, where we all meet in a hotel you know they move around Athlone, Dublin, Cork you know so because everybody is spread around the country um, and I've met quite a lot of the women at this stage. And if I haven't met them through the, the, the group, I've been chatting to them online. You know, some of the women don't attend the meetings. So I've probably ta- spoken to most of them now at this stage. And actually some of them came to some of the book events too to talk to me, So which was lovely as oh, well. that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, um, actually one of the women came to the, the the event in Limerick the other day, which and I was really delighted to see her there because she has uh, been very private about her 
not only her diagnosis, her family don't know. Okay. She had cervical cancer, let alone that she's one of the two two ones. So to see her at the event the other day, I was really delighted. I thought, God, that's great, you know, that she's mm-hmm. coming here, um, you know, to see me. And, and, yeah. and do her family still not know? No. Wow. Amazing no. woman. Yeah. And you know what? That's right for her. She's yeah, doing what's right it. for her. I know a lot of a lot of people who have been silent about their their cancer yeah. experiences and certainly I've met women since I have been very open since mm. I was diagnosed. I've had a lot of women talk to me and say, yeah, nobody knows or maybe my husband knows or, uh, you know, one person knows yeah. and nobody knows. I know. I find, look, I suppose I'm the type of person I couldn't do that. Um, I couldn't either. No. But I suppose each their own. But yeah. for some people, it's 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 their process, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you have to respect that. Yeah, you know, that's it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, look, there's, there's there's so many there's so many things in the book. Uh, mm. By the way, congratulations, Thank overcoming. You. It's it's so powerful. Mm. Um, I remember hearing that when you started to uh, work with Naomi Naomi Lenahan, who worked with you on the writing of the book, you just and as you just said there, like it's not your na- not in your nature to kind of keep things in. You just passed over all your diaries and you said, "There you go." Yeah, like when we think of our own our own diaries mm. and our own thoughts, inner. In, you don't never want anyone to ever pick them up and read them. And yet you were comfortable enough to hand them over and say, there you are. Yeah, I was. I remember. And she she actually was more worried about taking them than I was giving them, you know. And, and she said to me, are you sure you want to do this week? And I said, yeah, I do. Because and some of the diaries I wouldn't have read in years, you know. Sometimes Did you not you, read over them going, no, I wonder will I take no. out a page or two here? <laughs> I didn't. I actually I, I, I was starting to read through them and I was thinking, oh, maybe I should a bit like that. And I thought, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hand them over, let her read them, and then we can see where we go with that, you know, whether we kind of tone down parts of it or, or not. And actually, one of the areas that has come out strongly in the book was the treatment of my postnatal depression, mm. which, you know, it's funny, in hindsight, if I didn't have the diaries, I don't think, it's what your brain does, I don't think I would have remembered things being so bad, yeah. except I had written about it, you know. I think you gloss over these things or your, your, your brain does it to, to help you to move on from these things. So, you know, the fact that I had the diaries and they were so brutally honest um, because I wasn't writing them for anybody but myself helped for the book because I, I remember we had the discussion about, you know, do you really want to go down this road and be this open about how you felt? And I said, yeah, I do, actually, because I just felt so bad at the time and so guilty and yeah. so consumed by it that other people would judge me and think I'm a bad mother. Um, that I know there are women out there who are feeling exactly like that. And mm. I thought, well, if they can see that I felt like that, because often I think people think I'm a superwoman and I'm not. So it's just to show people that everybody, you know, who has gone through an experience of postnatal depression has felt in, you know, some ways similar, you know, mm. that you feel this, the guilt was the worst part of this over, and particularly because I had a sick child, I used to beat myself up going, how can I feel like this about her when she's a sick baby? You know, and, and I just couldn't marry the two, not realizing that this was an illness until really, you know, she was about seven or eight months old be- before I started doing anything about it. OK. Mm. And was it other people around you that spotted your behaviours or how you were feeling? Um, or are you good at kind of keeping it in? Yeah, I'm good at keeping it in. You know, my yeah. mother and my sister would always say that we never know what's going on with you because I will be quite private until I'm ready to talk about something, you know, and I do a lot of it. And because you're such head. a strong person. Yeah, that's it. Sometimes people think, I suppose, somebody especially who's so strong, sure, they're grand. They're yeah. the, Vicky's going to be fine. Vicky's mm. bulletproof. Do you know, she's been through so much. That's it. She'll there is grand. a bit of that. There is a bit of that. Yeah. And I suppose the, the experience with my mother where I went away for a week and mum thought, you know, and I remember we had this chat actually when we were doing it for the book. And mum said to me, I really thought that if you got a week away, that you'd be fine when you came back. And she said, I knew when you came back that you weren't. And I, at that stage, I didn't know what to do. You know, um, my mother was distraught, mm. you know, handing over this baby, knowing that I really wasn't well enough to to mind yeah. her, never mind myself, you know. Yeah. And it was that was the probably the trigger for me, I suppose, where I thought, oh, God, you know, my mother was crying, handed this baby over and I didn't feel one thing. And I thought there's something wrong here. This is more than baby blues, you know. And she was only about th- three months old at that stage so that was when I started kind of reading up about it and trying to you know do various things to help myself but it took a while it really of course did. I mean when you're in the thick of it like that mm. to, to have that other kind of ability to to start to read and do the research that shows that you, you know, like that, that that awareness I suppose is quite something because you know when if anybody listening and I'm sure there are many many women who've had postnatal are forms of depression 
when you're in that black fog, like you can't really see beyond it. Yeah, no. no so and that's fair play the you for being able yeah. to. Jeepers. Well, there were days when I could and those days were the days where I was trying to do stuff for myself, you okay. know, and then there were other days where I could do nothing, you yeah. know, so I kind of took advantage of the days where I felt well enough to actually do something about it. And I was very lucky. I worked with some fantastic women like the women I worked with in the Literacy Development Centre in WIT are all older than me. And all had kids um, and some of them had gone through it. So they were absolutely fantastic. And I was able to open up and talk to them about it. You know, once, you know, I mean, a couple of them kind of knew just from my demeanour and the way I was in work. I was very quiet, which I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm yeah. quite normally quite chatty, but I, you know, I was quite quiet for a long time because I just couldn't. I just had to do my job, you know, do my work and go home. And I really didn't kind of speak mm. to anybody um, so they could see that there was something going on. Uh, so, no, they were a fantastic help to me, really. Anyone I've spoken to about you and mm. particularly about, obviously, the book um, are just in awe of your no holds barred. This is it. Me. Um, and that is can be really scary for a lot of people. Mm. It can also inspire others and feel really empowering. And um, like I, I tip my hat to you. It ain't easy. Has it been like a form of therapy? doing this book absolutely 100% and I wasn't expecting that I have to say I I mean I did the book for two reasons for the kids because when I started it last year I didn't know if I'd be here and uh, you know a lot of the reasons that I wanted to do the book was to so the kids would understand their mother um, outside of me being mammy you know so your kids generally only see you as particularly as a teenager you know my purse is raided every morning before she goes to school, <laughs> um, taxi to go to the cinema or whatever. And my son, it's like, well, mommy, you know, you bring me to school or uh, you go come and watch my match. That's what they see. Yeah. They don't see this person that everybody else does, nor do they care, which is great. You know what I mean? That's what, you know, that's their job. They're my children. But I suppose for me, for particularly for my son, because he's so young, my daughter understands because she's older what I'm doing but he doesn't he just sees oh you know I just get this the face you know are you going to Dublin again when are you coming back and why do you have to keep going to Dublin can you not just do the work at home on your laptop you know so it's for him to understand why I'm doing all of this you know and also I mean you know to to understand what I was like as a teenager and you know growing up what I was like type of person I was Um, and also obviously the other reason then apart from my kids was to do it for everybody else so for you and anyone who's reading it to understand where this person has come from, you know, because I think a lot of the questions I get asked is, you know, how, how are you so strong? Well, I think the book will give you an, uh, an understanding. Well, know? that's it. I, I, I have goosebumps now listening to you say that because I had no idea, obviously, until the book came out <coughs> of all of the challenges you've been mm. faced in your life that would floor one of them would be enough to floor a strong person. Mm. But my goodness, when you when you read through it, I mean, you were obviously always very independent, very driven, very bright as a child. Um, that was obvious. But then when you when you go into detail about the car crash in France mm. at the age of 19, yeah. when your then boyfriend and your friend, they died in, in the crash and you were left with life altering injuries. Did it take you about a year before you could walk? Yeah, it was about a year before I was off crutches. Totally. Yeah. I feel bad now that I'm glossing over this. I'm just trying to give a sense mm. to those who are maybe listening, who haven't had a chance to get their hands on the book yet. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to you being pregnant and you've gone private because you felt you needed to after all of the injuries that you had sustained from the from the car crash in, in your earlier in your earlier days. And then and then you're faced with this information at a scan that your baby in the womb has more than likely has a condition that mm. that you will have to she and you will have to live with and you'll have to 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 deal with that and. You're, you're faced with all of these things, you know, mm. as I said, most people would be like, they'd be asking why, like, why, why me? What's what's going on? Did you ever? Oh, I did. Oh, God. Yeah. Did you? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, by the time I was pregnant with Amelia and that, you know, the pregnancy went south and I knew there was going to be something wrong with my baby, you know, between that kind of appointment where I was told there was something wrong with the baby and when she arrived, you know, that was the one of the worst six weeks I think of my life you know because I was on a lot of medication which was making me very ill Mm. I lost a lot of weight I was actually most of the day in bed because you know if I moved my head at all I was vomiting Um, and then when she was born you know the relief that you know when she was born that she came out with 10 fingers and 10 toes her head was a little bit bigger and we were worried about hydrocephalus but you know that went down after a couple of days but, you know, the, the not knowing whether she was going to be blind or not, um, because the, the disease she has, you know, in the worst case scenario is severe brain damage and blindness. And thankfully, she didn't have, um, you know, 
she does have a visual impairment and she did have some scarring on her brain which has led to seizures in puberty which she's under medication for at the moment but um I remember thinking at the time, you know, like, Jesus, I thought the car accident, to be honest, was my my thing. You know, the way people say to you, oh, you know, this something will happen to you, something bad will happen to you, and then that's it. And I thought that was my lot. Yeah. And then. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. that happened and I went really so I you know I got very angry um, after uh, I had Amelia and very angry at the world that you know this had happened to me as well as the accident and I really couldn't deal with it for a while you know so I mean there have been periods in my life where I haven't dealt with things well and I do you know what everybody else does and get angry and bitter at the world and why do these things keep happening but I know I suppose that um, those type of thoughts and that type of um way of feeling gets me nowhere it just drives me into depression and I you know I, I suppose I've had depression so many you know during so many periods of my life that I, I know if I start going down that road particularly with the way I am at the moment that's where I'll be you know and just I, I can't do it again you know so you're you're more tuned into the signs now yeah the triggers mm. Yeah, because I like, honest to God, just listening to it, I just, I mean, it's, it's constant awe of like, how did she deal with it? How, like, what? And then do you ever, do you ever wonder like what's going on as in we're here, we're, we're living in this lifetime and, you know, people are Catholic or they're atheist or they believe in God or they don't. What, what do you believe in? Um, I did have faith in God up to well to a point I suppose I was never really you know a huge practicing person um, once I did confirmation and all that my mother had difficulty getting all of us going to mass after that you know yourself she did, <laughs> she did the usual she tried her best and then left it up to her own devices but at the same time I think I did have faith in God and then when the accident happened uh, I just I questioned how something like that could happen to two young people wipe out their lives you know and ruin so many other people's lives their families and their friends um for what you know we we did nothing wrong and that was all going through my head what did we do wrong to deserve this and you know especially as a teenager you 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 definitely see things uh, black and white and I, I really did struggle for a long time but for me personally I don't have a faith but what I do believe in is good deeds I think you know if you do good it'll come back uh, you know in volumes and it has for me you know that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because, you know, I get mm. so many lovely messages from people about um, simple things. They just hear me on the interview um, and, and they'll say, oh, I, I listened to you and so and so. And, and, you know, I was having a shitty day and you really cheered me up and you made me think, right, that's it now. You know, I have to try and, uh, you know, appreciate the small things. And, and that's it. So, I mean, I think that's what drives me and that's what keeps me going, you know, um, is the goodness I kind of get back in return from other people, you know. Yeah. And you know what? If that's all any of us mm. believes in life, it's isn't it a beautiful and simple thing? Because yeah. we all have our own personal belief systems and what resonates for us. And I'm a big believer in non-judgment and whatever, whatever makes you tick, whatever gives you comfort. And I suppose, you know, we're all faced with difficulty in different forms of it. So what, whatever makes that process a bit easier, but really it just comes down to being sound. Mm. Being a decent human. That's it. And I think that for me, that's it. As long as I can live my life and do good, you know, 
do things that I believe are right. I suppose I have a very strong sense of right and wrong. And I, you know, I'm very principled. Um, so I can't I can't go against that. You know, yeah. no. were you always because like when when I mm. think of words to describe you, like integrity is right up there. Yeah. I mean, if ever there was somebody who's who just walks their talk and like this is it. Like, I think if I really want to know the truth, I'd ask you. <laughs> and I said, Vicky, come here now. Will you tell me what, what you think of this on me? Or something as frivolous as a dress yeah. or something as serious as a life issue that I'd have. I'd love to pick up the phone and say, Vicky, will you, will you tell me what you think? Because yeah. you wouldn't hold back, I wouldn't think. No, I wouldn't. No, no, absolutely not. You know, I, I, I've picked that up from my mother. You know, sometimes mum can be a bit too... Um, Honest, <laughs> particularly with the dresses or the, what are you wearing that for? You know, That's and, the uh, Irish mammy, I think. You'll get the look and you'll know, Jesus, OK, <laughs> that doesn't suit me. I better go back up and change. No, but that does come from my mother. I think my mother always told it as it is. And that, you know, I've, been, I've, I've obviously it's rubbed off on me. Um, but at the same time, I suppose there's a danger in that, too, of being hurtful, you know, to people, uh, you know, and, and yeah, it's, a, it's a thin line, isn't it? You know, yeah, it is. But I don't get the feeling from you that you would, you know, and I think really intention is so important. And I, I'd say you're you're very aware nonetheless yeah. of what you're saying. Um, I think it's always important to be truthful as long as, yeah, you think yeah. of the impact those That's words it. might exactly. have on somebody else. Yeah. Totally, totally. That totally resonates for me. Um, so look, at home you have Dara and you have Amelia and Jim is at home as well. Technically, you're a husband and wife, but you're not a couple anymore mm-hmm. and you're co-parenting. I think it's so refreshing to hear you speak so openly about it. The first time I heard that was when you were on the late late a number of weeks ago and um, you were just so frank and honest about it. And um, I think it's something that probably a lot of people in this country, even listening, might be in a similar situation, but yet maybe nobody else around them knows about it. Mm, I, I think so. And, you know, I made a conscious decision to talk about it in the book because we got to a point uh, because obviously I'd kept diaries and Naomi would have been reading them and I would have addressed issues, you know, in our marriage in the diaries. Um, and I remember Naomi said to me now, Vicky, we've dealt with everything else. You know, what are we going to do about your marriage? You know, do you want to go down that road or, you know, what do you want to do? Because, you know, we have to decide either way. And I had been kind of turning it around my head and I thought, do you know what? I've been honest about everything else in my life. I couldn't come in, for example, to this interview today, having not discussed my marriage um, the way I have and lie because that w- that's what it would be. You know, yeah. I'd be lying and I, because I can't do that. It's just not in me. It's not in your nature. No. Yeah. So, I mean, it's always been easy for me to do interviews because I'm not hiding anything. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, I don't find interviews um, a problem because I'm not trying to... Pr- remember Jesus I have to say so and so do you know what I'm saying I do of course so <clears throat> I made the con- I said to Naomi no do you know what I'll talk to Jim about it but I mean we'd been living like this for at least two years um, mm. our families knew all of our close friends knew um, so you know it's not a big stretch kind of to go but you know I did have to worry and think about Jim and the impact it would have on him and the impact it would have on the children so I had to kind of get that right first before we got the book out so you know it gave me time you know when, when we discussed it and, you know, one of my friends is a psychotherapist. I'm very lucky, you know, she's and she's brilliant. And I asked her advice and I said, well, you know, if I talk about this in the book, it's going to be public. How do I deal with this with the children? You know, do I need to have that conversation? Because, you know, the kids know about my cancer. You know, do I need to sit down now and tell them, you know, about mommy and daddy not being, you know, a couple anymore? And she said, Dara, absolutely not. He's only eight, you know, um, as long as mommy and daddy are still living together and you're not killing each other, which we're not. We actually get on very well. You know, it doesn't yeah. make any difference to yeah. him when he's older. Yes, you know, when it's appropriate, but not now. But Amelia, yes, 100 percent. She's 14. And so I sat down with Amelia and had the conversation and it was I was dreading it. I have to say I was absolutely shitting bricks <laughs> sitting yeah, yeah. down because I thought if she gets upset, this is really going to, you know, that would be my kind of guide, I suppose. If she got upset about it, I'd be thinking, oh, God, maybe we shouldn't do this. And that probably would have changed my, you know my tack in the book but she didn't she said yeah sure it was funny I was telling my neighbours sure you're not romantic like uh, Kieran and Lucy they were neighbours of ours you know so you know it's amazing what they pick up yeah. kids you know she was absolutely fine about it the first thing she asked me was oh my god does this mean now that we're going to have to go to dad at the weekend that was the first thing and I thought my god this is you know and I said, no, absolutely not, Amelia. I said, you know, we're all going to stay living together. Nothing changes um, because me and your dad are getting on really well. Um, and our focus is ye. You know, ye are our priority, you and Dara. Um, and that's why we've decided to stay together, you know. D- d- and she said, well, I don't really care whether you, you know, share the same bed. And kids don't, really, when you think yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you to ask your kids, you know, 
whether mum and dad sleep in the same bed or not, does it really matter? I mean, most p- parents with small children end up sleeping with one of them if they're sick or, yeah. you know, so it's it's not a, a large stretch that that doesn't happen at all. Do you well, know what I mean? It, well, it's also a credit to you guys and what, what however you've managed to work it, because I'm sure for a lot of couples that decide this is no longer working, mm might find it really difficult to stay living in the same house together. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's, that's yeah. That's and I, I, I have friends who are in that situation, so I understand that. I suppose in our situation, the reason we are no longer a couple is circumstances outside of our control. It, I think it would be different if, you know, one of us had had an affair or do you know what I mean? But we've just had too much thrown at us to just come back together, you know, um, it just, it was too hard, you know, and, and where I've had my cancer, and this is something I've been very vocal about, you know, because we had kind of lost it, lost that spark before I had my cancer anyway. Um, it was very hard to even, you know, you have to be very strong as a couple to even contemplate going back, trying to have a physical relationship after cervical cancer, because it's so painful and it takes so much time, you know, from women I've spoken to, to try and get back to actually enjoying sex, because that part of your body has been poked and prodded and radiated and, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like a, a part of your body that you want to do anything to. You sure, know? yeah. You know what I mean? I can only begin to imagine, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we just couldn't go there, you know, and he was terrified. I mean, I feel very sorry for the men too in these situations um, because the men are terrified of going near the women because they've had so much trauma down there. So, you know, it's it's an awful situation to find yourself in. Um, and, you know, we had had Amelia's accident as well. And that really, you know, and I've spoken to parents who have had, you know, situations where children either get very sick with, with cancer or have had something like that happen to them. And relationships break down because, you know, you're just so consumed by what has happened to your child and trying to make that child okay. Yeah. That, you know, something has to give. And And you lose sight of each other, is it? Yeah, absolutely. What was the reaction from friends and family when they read the book? Oh, my mother's a big reader. Anyway, she's always my first uh, kind of, um, you know, critic. So she got the first copy Uh, and she got she wouldn't read it when I had it on a laptop you know we had it ready by you know the end of May start of June and I thought she might read it then and she said nope I'm waiting for the book she you know I suppose she's old fashioned she wanted the book to read and I said okay so she got the first copy and I remember sitting at home and I was really biting my nails going Jesus is she ever going to ring so I mean I knew she'd have it done in hours so she got it on a Friday evening and she rang me Saturday morning well actually she texted me before she went to bed she'd finish it at three o'clock in the morning or something oh yeah solid solid yeah um and uh, she sent me a lovely message. Um, but she said like that, she said, I think I've gone through a box of tissues. She said, I thought, you know, even though I know everything that's happened, she said, just when you read it all in one place and it's so vivid, she found it very difficult, obviously, you know, yeah, because she's been through all of it as well with us. Um, but she, yeah, she thought it was fantastic. And, you know, I think the part that Mam wasn't expecting, which for me was very important, is... Um, the way I've described my parents, because my parents have been there with me through thick and thin. And I said that to Naomi, I said, the one thing I want to have going through this is to show how good my parents have been. You know, for I want the world to know, you know, th- that kind of a thing that mum and dad are brilliant parents and they often don't get enough thanks parents, do they, you know, for the work they've done. So yeah. for me, it was very important and she really appreciated it, you know. And she was joking, saying, Anna, Vicky, she said, you're only dragged up half the time. And I said, no, we weren't, <laughs> ma'am. I said, if we were, you know, would would we all be as good as we are, you know? Yeah. That's the reality, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, it must be. It must be. I mean, I can only begin to imagine how proud she is of you. Like, mm. you know, despite all the challenges, but the, how you faced everything and how you haven't given in, how you, you've always gone. Do you know what? I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they are. Yeah, absolutely. They're yeah, very proud. And, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, I had to send them my schedule <laughs> for all the appearances. And then she was trying to find out when everything was going to be published so she'd be able to buy them, you know, and buy copies to <laughs> my brothers in New Zealand. So, yeah. you know, and like that, she's like, now, when is this one out? And when is that one out? And I heard you on this now and after, you know, so it's great, you know, it's yeah. great. Yeah. I'd say you have so much that you want to achieve and do. I mean, mm. this is a huge thing. Have, have you know, you've written your book, mm. you've got your story out there. And you're obviously very busy at the moment, not not alone between things like interviews to, to promote it and all of that. But obviously you have your steering committee and mm-hmm. you still you still drive ahead with that um, all the while being a mammy and looking after your own well-being as paramount. Um, what is on the list of stuff that you want to do? 
Um, lots, I suppose. I mean, you know, Stephen and Lorraine, Stephen Teep and Lorraine Walsh are the two patient advocates. The three of us work very closely together and we get on really well. Um, Gabriel Skelly couldn't have picked two better people. They're very like me, so we get on so well. So I kind of leave them to do a lot of the work with the kind of implementation of Gabriel Skelly's recommendations from his report. And I tend to work then kind of, I mean, I will go to the committee meetings and if there's anything I think that can be um, brought up or improved, I will I will do. For example, one of the things that um, we've managed to achieve, which I kind of inputted into, was the dilator. So you get these dilators that women have to use if they've had this um, internal radiation. Um, so they're like hard plastic, clinically quite hard plastic um, dildos for all the world. Uh, in different shapes and sizes, you know, quite small, going up to not very big, actually, because most women's vaginas narrow after the radiation. And you're supposed to go home and use these to try and keep your vagina open to try and, you know, if you want to have a sex life again and for internal exams. But there I remember getting handed this bag of dilators after I finished treatment and I went, what the hell? These are hard plastic, really? Because at the inside of your vagina, after you have this type of radiation, literally, if you scraped your nail down the side of the inside, it would bleed. Like that's okay, your tissue, so just so delicate. And then yeah. I'm expecting you to use these hard plastic. And I thought, you know, one of the things I thought this has to change, you know, why are we not being provided with silicone dilators, which of would course. be a lot easier to use. So that's one thing we've managed to get approved and not just for women with cervical cancer, for any women with any kind of gynae cancers who've sure. had radiation. So things like that, because of my experience, I can feed into, yes. you know, so they're the things. And then the other area, obviously my big area, which I work on mostly is terminal patients in this country and trying to get access to new drugs. Um, I was on Twitter the other night. I don't know if you saw it. I did. Having a whopper of a rant because I was so angry um, that, you know, these drugs are not being made available to women and they are in the UK. You know, we're lagging behind. So that's another area that I really want to kind of get more involved in. And I'd like to actually, you know, probably if I'm well enough, get to a point where I'm sitting on a committee, maybe working on trying to get more done there rather than just sitting on the sidelines, you know. Yeah, oh God, I can so see that. It. I can see that happening. Mm. I can really see that happening because I mean, it, it, so, somebody somebody needs to to speak up. And yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to look after yourself. Mm. Obviously, that's a priority. But if you can lend your voice to it as well, and I did see that the other night, and it was very powerful. Mm. Um, and I think that's you know, and and you know, with everything you've been through. You don't strike me as somebody who's become very cynical, non- despite all the difficulty that you have faced in terms of the medical profession. Mm. Or no. are you? No, I'm not, because um, I do understand that those working in the medical profession are working under extreme conditions. You know, we don't have enough consultants in this country. That's, you know, one of the reasons people can't get appointments is because we don't have enough consultants. We have I don't know, are we missing something like 250 consultant posts are free, you know, that they can't fill at the moment. So, you know, a lot of the medical profession are working under awful time constraints. So, you know, I do understand that, you know, things are the way they are because the government aren't investing, uh, you know, in, in a lot of areas that it's not always the medical profession who aren't, you know, kind of pulling up their socks. But at the same time, there are things that can be changed like one of the things that I'm doing at the moment it's finally been advertised it's taken a year but I'm willing you know I, I, I've worked in the public sector I know how slow these things happen is I'm funding a position um, from the funds that were raised for me through GoFundMe uh, you know I was trying to give that money back to people after my court case settled because you know we didn't know at the time how long that would take and people didn't want their money back they said no Vicky you could um, have to go to America and you know we want you to keep that money you know yeah. or do whatever do something with it we, you know, we know you'll do something good with it so I decided that um, you know one thing I could do is fund a position so um, we're piloting it, piloting it in the matter in Dublin I'm working with Cathy Kelly. She, I don't know, were you under her in the matter? No, Professor, she's a breast cancer No, I was in oh. Vincent's. Ah, okay. Yeah. She's a lovely woman, Cathy, and um, she is uh, going to be the oncologist overseeing this position. So there, she actually te- uh, emailed me yesterday to say they finally are after c- convening an interview panel. Oh, wow. Um, so this person will be basically... Uh, somebody who the oncologist can refer patients to. So instead of what I had to do, go off and research myself. And this is where I just thought this is disgraceful that there isn't a position where if the oncologist doesn't have options or they're not participating in clinical trials, there should be somebody they can send people to who can go off and do that for them. So that's what I'm funding. So um, this person will be able to go researching clinical trials on a particular cancer for a person who is terminally ill who might want to look down that road as an option. So giving people a bit of hope, you know. 
Uh, and again, I, I've already warned Simon Harris that I'm hoping this will be replicated across the country. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that the government will be paying for it, not me. <laughs> Correct. And you know so. something, again, yet another example of your selflessness. I mean, I don't think anyone <laughs> would have begrudged you to take the money and go off on a nice holiday for mm. yourself. No, no, I'll take that money now and I'll do something really mm. beneficial with it. Wow. Yeah. Well, you, I just You know. are some woman, yeah. <laughs> Vicky, you really are. Well, you know what? I just think, Sheila, I remember sitting... Um, when I was trying to research options, thinking, you know, thank God I could do this when I found something, you know, when I found something, I remember thinking, what about those poor people who are sitting, you know, I, I can I can remember seeing a couple sitting outside waiting to go into my oncologist after my appointment. And I knew you just know by the faces that they're going in to get the same news. You, you know, you can tell you've been there, you know, when somebody's getting bad news. Um, and I just think, you know, a lot of people who get that news will take it and they will be dead within the 12 months. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And that really just makes me angry that uh, and I know there's not always so an option. But you have to give people some bit of hope to keep them alive long enough, you know. Can it, can we talk about that? Because mm. I do think that and maybe maybe it's starting to change and maybe it's because people like you that it's starting to change. But I do think a lot of us go and see. And by the way, I, I preface mm. this by saying that I I bow my head to science. I am so thankful for the doctors and nurses that looked after me so brilliantly and all of that. Absolutely. But what I'll also say is I think sometimes we think that doctors and doctors in particular are, are you know, whoever they are, consultants, they're gods mm. and that what they say is is final. Yet, you know, and, and this is no disrespect to, you know, to your oncologist giving you the news. But when you were told, yeah, 12 months of treatment, here you are. Yeah. Defying it. Yeah. You know, and I think there are power behind words. And I think, you know, there needs to be a bit more awareness of what's being said. And also the information, as you said, options, options. what's available. Yeah. And if you can't be the one to relay that message to the person sitting in front of you that is at their most vulnerable, you know, at least nudge them in the right direction or tell them to to look it up or do a bit of research or whatever. But you know, I think we all need to become a bit stronger at saying, you know what, let's not be a bystander. Yeah. Let's not just go along with the flow because it's easier. Because, you know, the right road in life may not be the easier road, but it's the better road. Yeah. And that's the, certainly the one you're on. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. And and that, to be yeah. honest, if people take one thing from what I've done over the last year and a half, I would hope that would be it, that people would start asking more questions and and trust in their gut, you know, and, and trust in um, what they believe, you know, if somebody wants to have a better chance or to try something that they would trust that, uh, you know, they would be listened to. Yeah. Yeah. You spoke at Bio, a uh, wellness mm. event that I am luckily involved with for some time and uh, you were incredible and clear. But actually, before you were involved yourself, I would refer to you during my talk, um, particularly after uh, our evening together in September, because a lot of I suppose my what I'm what I'm about my message is, is really using your voice mm. f f to be authentic. Yeah. Number one, to honor yourself, be honest with yourself and but then also to empower others to do the same. And I mean, you are the walking, living, breathing example of speaking with integrity, communicating freely and not being afraid to stand up and say what feels right for you. Mm. Uh, not everybody feels that they can do that, but I feel that everybody can. It's yeah. just they need we need more Vicky feelings in the world <laughs> to stand up <laughs> and 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 then it has the domino effect, you yeah. know, of of saying, you know what? Well, she's given me the guts to say I'm not happy with this. Yeah, I'm not. And it doesn't need to be something as huge as no, what you've experienced. Not at all can be something, something smaller. small and that's the, the they're the messages I love the most and I get lots of them now actually which is great yeah you know I get people contact me saying oh Vicky you'd be proud of me I asked my doctor a question today and that might seem trivial to some people it bloody well isn't because if they have the you know the guts to ask one question well then they'll go in the next day and they might ask something else and it builds up you yeah, know it does of course yeah so I'm delighted when I get messages like that or people come up to me and say um, you know, we went back and asked for a referral to another oncologist after listening to you because we just weren't being listened to. And I love that because I think, you know what? It's great to see people actually listening and, and doing something about it. You yeah, know? totally, mm. totally, totally. And I, I would have mentioned it to you the night in Galway that I'd had a biopsy on yeah. um, my lump and it came back clear. But I knew there was I knew there was something else going on mm. here. This is not normal. 
it shouldn't be growing the way it's growing and it was and it kept getting bigger and bigger anyway I, I kind of joke about it and I hide behind this kind of line of uh, you know I did it for vanity but I suppose it kind of was like it was bothering me but it was starting to impact on my sleep mm. and everything and I knew look at I had tried, I'm a big believer in, in science. I'm also a, a huge fan of natural therapies, but everything I had tried wasn't working. Yeah. So I knew my only option was surgery. So anyway, I had the first surgery. It wasn't until I went back to kind of get the go ahead to go back to work that I was told it was cancer, you know. Jesus. So there you go. Yeah. And I was very lucky that it manifested in such an obvious place yes, in my body. Do exactly. you know what I mean? Because yeah. otherwise, do you know what? Otherwise, we might not be here, either of us having this no, conversation. No, and that's the reality. And, you know, I often think, you know, women, unfortunately, are not listen to a lot particularly when it comes to you know this the bottom half of our bodies you know you're expected to yeah. kind of actually that's normal you know I mean the amount of women who come back to me I mean with problems after having babies do you know what I mean that um, they've had you know been stitched incontinent unable to have sex for you know I, I had one woman contact me and you know two years later still you know unable to, and I said this is not normal you know no. you, you cannot you should not be putting up with this this is not and, and like sent home like that and expected to put it up with put up with it a young woman so you know I think that you know I'm glad to see that we have conversations happening you know the Joe Duffy live line kind of blew up with that about yeah. women's stories of after having babies because there isn't any joined up thinking I read a really good article in the Guardian recently about this from a a really top gynecologist about the fact that and it's the same in the UK and they're trying to change it that you know when you have a baby you go back for your six week checkup um, and it really they're just checking you downstairs but that's all they're doing they don't ask you how you're feeling mentally are you coping with the baby there's no joined up thinking about how this is impacting on you you know yeah, yeah. after having a baby you know so p- people might get picked up a lot quicker with postnatal depression or if, if you have had a lot of stitches that you know there's no questions being asked well you know how are you getting on you know with your husband or your partner you know have you been able to have you know there's Absolutely, none of that yeah. happening people are suffering in silence and and it's not good enough no it's not good enough and and I'm so glad that you are comfortable enough to talk about it as am I and mm. I think the more of us that are because we need to take the the oh sure we can't be talking about those kind of things mm. do you know what I mean we can't we can of course and we need to and it's yeah. important and the more of us that do actually have these kind of conversations the more people will hopefully feel empowered to do the same yeah. and 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 ask for help Vicky, I could talk to you for so much longer and I know that there's so there's so much more we could have spoken about. Um, but it's been an, it's been a joy to chat to you. You're beckon deadly. Um, yeah, sure. Sheila, when we met you in Galway last year, like my mother and my mother is not very easy to impress now. I may tell you that now in advance. Um, <laughs> she's she's not easily swayed. She came. She loved you. Do you, you know what I mean? Ah, I think when you best. meet, I will. Absolutely. Oh, I told her I was coming up today. She was delighted. Wow. Um, so, you know, I always find it easy to talk to people who are, you know, on the same wavelength as myself yeah, yeah, yeah. and pretty sound. So, I mean, you know, it's been a chat and it's been lovely. And, you know, I wish you the best of luck with the podcast. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate yeah. it. Come here. Last question. Yes. Is it true that it's a, it's, it's, this is the birthday month? It is, yeah. So come here, what are you doing for the birthday? Uh, so I'm going to be 45 um, on you the 28th of October. Oh, definitely. So my sister is organising it. We're going to some guy who does this kind of um, thing at home in his house. Like there's 14 of us, supposed to be like really, like really good chef. Um, oh, brilliant. Yeah, so that's what we're doing. Oh, come here. So yeah. he's going to come in. He, you go to him. his house. Oh, wow. And he, you know, it's 14 of us. We have to have 14 people for it and he'll make us a five, co- five course or something dinner. Oh, gorgeous. So yeah, it sounds really nice. And you bring your own wine and whatever. So that's what we're doing to the day of my birthday. And then myself and Amelia are going to London now, now to see some girl who I have no notion who she is. <laughs> girl in red or something. Like I'm way too old for this. But this is what she wanted to do. So oh, we're, lovely. You know, so we're doing that. And then, uh, and then we're meeting uh, President Michael D. Higgins um, actually just before... Um, Halloween. So, yeah. Got, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, got an invite to go up and, and meet In the, the president. Yours. Yes. So my mother's delighted. <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, that'll be great. Oh, so, yeah. So it'll be a nice few days. So yeah. is it the kids and your, your mum and dad and yourself? And Yeah, and Jim. So Jim, myself, How the kids lovely. and mum and dad are coming. Yeah. Oh, that'll be really special. And I'm bringing Naomi as well and her husband. Um, so, that, you know, we can bring oh, a few yeah. people because I knew she'd love to meet him. Oh, so. that'll be great. Yeah. Oh, that'll be great. Is, well, that mu- is that much her book as my book? So, yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, well, you've really honoured her by, yeah. by speaking about it so beautifully again today. So, um Thank you for that. Enjoy all the birthday celebrations. Oh, I will. Milk them. Oh, I'll milk it to the last. <laughs> I turned 40 in April and I tell you what, I had I had about two months celebrations. It was great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So go for it. Oh, Come I plan on it. Yeah, you're brilliant. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, the book is overcoming. you got to get your hands on it. Thanks, Amelia. Thanks, Sheila. 
If you found the conversation with Vicky helpful, please do share it with your friends and take a moment to rate, review and hit subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. And if there's anyone you'd like me to have a chat with, please do get in touch on Twitter or Instagram. You'll find me at Sheila Shoige. Thanks for listening to Ready To Be Real Conversations. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.